Um, I'm going to share a song that's a little bit of a personal story in my life. Uh, I'm a preacher's son, and both of my grandpas are preachers too. And, um, you know, they, they preached in these little country churches, small towns, and we never had a lot growing up. I was the, the fifth of five kids, and, um, and growing up, uh, you know, I, I always remember think, wishing that we had more money and we could buy what we wanted, and, and I felt like we didn't always have what we wanted. And as I've grown up, I realize um, that my upbringing was rich, and the fact that there was so much love and um, I'm so grateful for that, uh, for the legacy that my grandfather and my father have left. And I hope to do the same for my children. Uh, so this is called Carolina Blues. It's kind of about my grandpa. He had these brilliant blue eyes. And so this is Carolina Blues. Now grandpa was a preacher. And he led the singing too And grandma used to yodel And tell us what to do And grandpa drove a limousine But just on Saturdays And he'd tell the crying families About Jesus by the grave And he was always smiling And whistling a tune Grandpa had the kindest eyes Carolina Blue once I knew this girl whose grandpa was a millionaire And when he kicked the bucket, well she was the only heir And he left her with everything, more than she could dream Truckloads full of money, with a castle by the sea But he was always lying, as selfish as could be So he left her with empty words and painful memories Now Grandpa didn't leave me money I could spend You see, I guess that he didn't have much money in the end But my Grandpa was an honest man seeking after truth Grandpa had the kindest eyes Carolina Blue Now grandma had a daughter And then she had two sons And one became my father When he and ma were done Gross No one likes to think about that Now I might be the richest man To ever walk this earth Cause I was left with so much more Than money could be worth And my dad's just like my grandpa He's wearing worn out shoes but he's a man that I can trust Always tells the truth And now maybe dad won't leave me Money I could spend You see my guess is that he won't have Much money in the end But my father is an honest man Seeking after truth And daddy got my grandpa's eyes Caroline
Tyrone, it's so good to have you here. Oh, I love it when he comes. And uh, his wife was supposed to be with us today. She's sick. So in the fall, when he comes back, she's going to help lead worship too. So that's going to be incredible. Um, Welcome today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. I think you're going to love what we're about to look at. But as you're turning there, I want to point out something. I have my brand new stool. Uh, this, uh, I, all of you Dave Ramsey people, I had a stool envelope. I, uh, saved up for this. Um, it, it's not super expensive, but I got it. And the tech guys were warning me. They said, Chuck, um, I know you like your stool, but it'll get really aggravating and irritating if you do this in the service. And, and they said, and if you like spin around, we'll get dizzy. So, uh, Hey guys in tech. Ooh, no. Um, so I don't know if it's going to work, but. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you do love us. That life lived with you is amazing. And I pray right now we would just open our hearts and our minds to you. May our souls be enriched. And may we be people who grab this truth and live it to the fullest. And when that happens, I know. I know, God, amazing things occur. So may we see that today. Thank you, Jesus, for these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, being a Christian ought to make a difference. Uh, Living out the faith of God ought to be something incredible. And that's what God wants you and I to understand. That when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. When we know Jesus, we begin to have the life that's the abundant life. By the way, that song was so incredible about that, wasn't it? The idea that, that when you, you enrich someone else's life with what really has value, that when, when a person like that's in your life, you treasure it more than ever. And what we want to talk about right now is you and I being that kind of person. What we need to do is understand that Jesus started out the Sermon on the Mount by saying that he wants you to be blessed. It's the Greek word makurios. He wants you to be a person who has a blessed life, a blessed existence. And the word makurios actually means supremely happy. It's not happy every single moment. It's something better than that. It's that in the end, you lay down at night going, wow, you know, I've got a happy life. When you get up in the morning, you're like, wow, I've got this incredible life. I get to live with God and, and, and with people. And when we live that kind of life, it's amazing. Well, as Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount, he's aiming at, at, at an Everest peak at the height of heights, and we're about to hit it today. It's Matthew seven twelve. It's the golden rule. And then on the other side of that is, is all of the call to live this, not to let it go. But he's been aiming at this. This is the pinnacle moment of this amazing sermon. And what it ought to be is that you and I then become different. Different than everybody else around us. And I think you're going to grab that. Christians ought to be different. Too often, I don't know that that's true. Uh, My friend Brian Jones, I'm going to talk about Brian a little bit later. Uh, Brian was sharing this. A recent survey found that Christians are as likely or more likely to listen to country music than the average person in the United States. I don't know how you feel about that, but... uh, but you know, in the, in the other areas, we ought, to, we ought to be unique and different. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In everything, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. In everything, 
Therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, these are heavy words. And I don't want you to think it's something simple. It's amazing when you begin to understand this. William Barclay said this. He goes, this is probably the most universally famous thing that Jesus ever said. With this commandment, the Sermon on the Mount reaches its summit. This saying of Jesus has been called the capstone of the whole discourse. It is the topmost peak of social ethics and the Everest of all ethical teaching. It's the Mount Everest of all ethical teaching. Nothing's greater than this. Nothing's more amazing than this. And he says, when you begin to understand that, you understand why Jesus stands out and why his truth stands out. As a matter of fact, what I'm about to read you is this uh, uh, from Barclay. Do you realize that this, what we just read, is so unique? You do not find it in the philosopher's. You do not find it in other religions. As a matter of fact, you don't find it in the teachings of the rabbis. And again, it's that unique. It's that special. It's that valuable. Barclay says this. It is possible to quote rabbinical parallels for almost everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. But there is no real parallel to the saying. This is something which has never been said before. It is a new teaching and a new view of life. And new life's obligations. Did you catch this? It's never been said before. Almost everything else in the Sermon on the Mount you can find somewhere else. Uh, Rabbis or or, 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 or other places, uh, you can find it. This one stands out. And and here's what you got to grab. It's one that we ought to hold on to. Uh, As a matter of fact, the negative of this statement is found, but not the positive. Uh, Rabbi Hillel said this. He said, what is hateful to yourself, do to no other. That is the whole law, and the rest is commentary. Go and learn. Now, now notice that's the negative form of this. Don't do to someone else what you don't want done to you. Jesus takes it a different route, and it makes all the difference. Confucius had the negative also. Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Now, now, there's a problem with the negative. And I want you to think about it. There's a big problem with the negative. The problem with the negative is selfish. It's all about you. It's all about guarding yourself and making sure that other people treat you the way you want. The focus is on you at that point. And in that selfishness, you miss out on everything that matters. You know, don't do to someone else what you don't want done to you. It's kind of a protective nature, a reactive nature. And Jesus goes the opposite. He says, I don't want you to have that kind of attitude. Jesus is calling for us to be a benefit to others. He's saying, I want you in everything to go proactively, to put in energy, to touch and love and care in a way that's amazing. I want that to be your thought process. And to do that, you've got to be a selfless person. Now, that's where it comes in. You see, it's not about me selfishly making sure something occurs. It's about me selflessly going and touching and benefiting the life of other people around me, being a blessing to them, caring for them, sharing with them, giving uh, uh, aid to them, uh, uh, looking for ways to enhance their life. He says, I want you to have that kind of attitude. Again, you've got to deny self to do that. You've got to lift others up. You've got to decide that you're going to be living a life not about making sure you're okay, but about making sure others are. And when you do that, you'll be an amazing husband. When you do that, you'll be an amazing wife. When you do that, you'll be an amazing mom or father. By the way, kids would be benefited huge. You'd be a great child if you do that back to your parents or brother and sister. Coworkers will never want you out of their presence. They'll want you around every second when you live this kind of life. 
And, and here's what Jesus is saying. For you to do it, you have to deny self. Matthew 16, uh, verse 24 to 26, we talk about all the time. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said, if you and I are ever going to truly follow him, not say we do, not even go, oh, I believe in God, but truly be his in a relationship with him, we must deny self. We must put an end to narcissism. You see, when I begin to live out the the golden rule that treat other people or do unto others as I would have them do unto me, but I do it, then what I've got to do is kill off selfishness and put an end to narcissism. And we live in a very narcissistic society. Uh, By the way, we're going to address this in the fall big time because it's such a major problem. But, but we've got parents who say lines like, well, you know, if I'm going to be the parent I need to be, well, I have to take care of me first. That's horrible. If I'm going to be the wife I need or husband I need to be, I got to make sure I'm okay. That's horrible. And, and by the way, if you don't agree with me, I want you to think about the results of that. Are families in our country better today because that kind of a mindset's around? Are, are people happier on their jobs? Are neighborhoods better today than they were years ago when people didn't have that attitude? You see, right now we're in a depressive, sleep-deprived, despairing society. It's all around us. And it's birthed by this whole narcissistic kind of attitude. People are so in love with themselves that they've missed the point of having a life that really has meaning. And by the way, it's killing people. It's putting them in bondage. I don't know if you've heard of the legend of Narcissus before, but Narcissus was supposedly the handsomest man that was ever born on the face of the earth. And Echo uh, fell in love with Narcissus, and, and, and she would do anything for him. But he never, ever thought about anybody but himself. And so in the midst of it, are you ready for this? Echo begins to fade away to non-existence. And according to the legend, that's all we have left is her voice. But she even lost her individuality. So all Echo can do is just echo us today. And it's the echo, 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 echo. And she just fades away. And whenever people have a narcissist in their life, they begin to find themselves not existing. They fade away. The narcissist one day is walking along and he comes by a beautiful pool of water. And when he looks in, he can see his reflection. And he's so in love with who he is that he can't bear to leave. And he actually dies looking at himself, thinking that's the greatest thing ever. Do you know what? That's going on today. That's going on today. There are a lot of people, they don't realize it. They go, oh no, I'm happy. But when you really get down to it, they they are so being destroyed and ripped off. Jesus said, it's this thief, this, this criminal thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy you. And he goes, but I didn't do that. I came to give you the abundant life. And if you grab a hold of what this means, you're going to understand that. But what you got to understand, it's about doing the things you're supposed to do. Not about not doing them. It's about doing them. You see, that's where we very often miss the whole point. Uh, A lot of times people don't understand the truth of sin. We only have a part of the truth of sin in our mind. You ready? Here's what the part most people know. Most people know that sin is sin when you do the wrong thing. But what we very often forget is that's only half of it. It's a sin also if you don't do the right. 
It's just as big a deal to God, just as evil to God, if you and I aren't proactively throwing energy into the things we're supposed to do. You see, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. Our lives miss out. We miss our purpose. We miss being everything God wants us to be when we're not doing what we're supposed to do. James 4.17 says this, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him that is sin. When you and I know the right thing to do and we don't do it, we've sinned. So Jesus is calling for us to do something more active. And it takes us to the very mountain of living, the height of heights when you live this way. Listen to what it says in this verse again. Matthew seven twelve. In everything, not in some things, it's got to be a total sold out mindset. It's, it's in everything that you do, in every action you, enca- you can take, in every relationship you encounter, in every situation you're in. Nothing's left out. In everything, do to other people what you would want done to you. You walk in with that mindset. You don't walk in wanting them to do for you. You walk in looking for an opportunity to do for them. What does that mean to me? It means that I need to be somebody who doesn't do what I do based on how I'm treated. That's what it also means for you. And you don't do it so they'll treat you a certain way. If you do, you've missed out on the whole thing. As a matter of fact, everybody in this room, we all share this. Everybody here hates it when someone does something for you with strings attached. It's got to be no strings attached. I've got to be the kind of person, you need to be the kind of person who looks at someone and says, what can I do for them? What can I do for them? How can I in everything, in every instance, do what I wish would be done for me? By the way, in in my relationship with Pam, I need to do that. If I want Pam to get something for me, then I need to be getting something for her. If I want Pam to kiss me, then I need to kiss her. Yeah. I do want to give a a parenthesis statement. By the way, a guy's... Uh, uh, it, I know you look at some girls and go, oh, I'd want them to kiss me. You don't have the right to kiss them unless they're your wife. Uh, you can't go up and say, hey, it's biblical, baby. No. Uh, <laughs> if I want Pam to do the dishes, what should I do? Yeah. By the way, that's, that's been a problem in our life. When Pam and I got married, I'm on the high end of wanting to be neat. And Pam is, um, she says she's fun. Um, I say she's a slob. And... Uh, <laughs> I, she, I said it in front of her last hour. That's why she's not here now. No, not really. Um, no, no, Pam and I have a very different view of that. And so what happened is, you know, we would have dinner and, and she would just set the dishes in the sink and want to go spend time together. And I'm like, there's dishes in the sink. And she'd go, no, 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 it's just we could get them later. I'm like, no, no, they're like growing things in there. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to go back and find like this, this new life form erupting. And, and she's like, no, we need to spend time. And I'm like, ah, ah. And, and, and I want her to go do the dishes. And, and so I remember I, we would get in arguments over it. And so finally, I, I talked to my dad about it. We're a young married couple. And I went to my dad and I said, dad, you know, I don't know what to do. And he said, what's wrong? And I said, Pam won't do the dishes. And my dad goes, it's easy. You do them. Yeah. And he looked me in the eye and he said, what kind of man are you? Are you afraid of the dishes? Just go do the dishes and do it without complaining. Did you catch that part? He said, don't complain about it. If you want them done, do them. You're a big guy. I go, no, that's why I married her to do the dishes. Yeah, yeah. God is warning us something here. Jesus is calling out to me and he's calling out to you. 
Do unto others what you want done to you. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to actually go do it. I want you to take action. I want you to give yourself to that. That's God's great desire for us that we would do that. And and then it gets even better. Now, I'm about to say something. I don't know how excited you're going to get about this, but I am off the charts excited about what I'm about to share with you. This, this was life-changing for me just recently when I started digging into this. And here's why. The next line says, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Now, the word treat uh, is a very interesting word. It literally means you do so for them. You too do so for them. Now, now it's a, a, a one word in Greek, but it's a very rich word. And it's, it's almost impossible to translate it with one word like treat or do. Uh, it's a powerful word. First of all, you need to know it's a verb. It means you have to take action. You can't do it just in thought. It has to be actively done. The second thing is, it's in the present tense. Where it's a, actually a verb in the present active imperative in the Greek, which means it's a command. But, but here's the idea. When it's in present tense, it means you continuously do it. It's not do or treat. It's keep doing and keep treating. Keep being active in somebody else's life. In other words, it's not just treat someone or do unto others. It's continually keep doing this for them. But then it gets even better than that. Are you ready? Uh, uh, The New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew with some Aramaic. But, But when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, in Genesis chapter one, where it says, in the beginning, God created. This was the word that was chosen for created. Now, now, if you've caught, or, or haven't caught where this is going, I think this is incredible. God is saying to me, Jesus is saying to me and to you. He said, I want you to use the height of the image of God that has been put into you. Because you and I remain the image of God. And what's the first thing we learn about God? That God's creative. And you and I are to then be people who go and create in the lives of others. All of the wonderful, incredible things that God would want for them and we want for them for us. Do you catch how that's not just, oh, do it for him? No, it's bigger than that. It's about going in and enhancing and using all every bit of imagination and creativity you have to make somebody else's life better. That, that I would want to do that for, for my friends, that I would want to do it for my coworkers, that I'd want to do that for my neighbors, that I want to do it for my family, for my grandchildren, that I look for ways to, to use all the imagination and creativity God has given me to go in and make their life incredible. Uh, to see the kingdom of God happen. Romans fourteen seventeen says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. And what he's saying there, it's not about what you don't do. It's not, well, I don't drink or I don't. It, it's not about that. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy. And so am I going and, and, and enhancing their lives so they experience joy and peace and righteousness? And, and am I working on ways to do that creatively? And, and by the way, if you caught, it's not just do. It's you be the creative essence of God in someone's life to create things in their life that you think you would love. That that wouldn't be so meaningful to you that would rock your world. He says, that's what I want you to do. That's who I want you to be. And by the way, when you're that kind of person, when you're that kind of person, nobody wants to do without you. When you're that kind of person and you exit a situation, it's almost like the life goes out of it. And people are like, oh, I can't believe you're not around. And they miss you. Here's the question I've got to ask for me. Am I somebody that when I'm not around, people miss me? And when I'm around, do they go, oh, life's better because you're here. Oh, I've never had such joy. I, I've never felt love. I, 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 I mean, I've never had so many surprises. 
And, and God says, when you're that kind of person doing that for other people, that's where life is found to be incredible and amazing. And, and God says, so keep doing that. Keep being this creative force that makes a difference. And so that when you exit, people are like, where are they? I think everybody here has to agree that Mother Teresa lived this out. She looked at an area of the world that nobody else cared about, and she went into it and began to treat the people there the way she would want to be treated. She created an environment and a place where the poorest of the poor were loved and cared for and, and ministered to and, and found joy and laughter. One of the things, the friends of mine who went and, and ministered when she was still alive, and, and I'm sure it's going on today, they said, you can't believe the joy in the midst of this. And when Mother Teresa died, what happened? A nation, the nation of India, mourned the idea they didn't have a Mother Teresa. The world's like, what are we going to do without Mother Teresa? And by the way, God is saying you and I need to be that way too. I have a friend named Ron Colbert who was that way. Man, when Ron was in our life, things were so much better. And every time I'd ever see him, I loved it. Ron, look for ways to create beauty and joy. Uh, by the way, I'm not telling you you have to copy this, but one of the things Ron loved to do is, is he just had a passion for people to have good tires on their car. Now, you might not. See, he, it was a big deal to him because he thought, you know, I don't want my family driving on bad tires. I don't want people I love. So I remember one night I'm walking out of church. Pam and I are a young married couple, and I walk up to my car. I'm like, whoa, what's that? Ron just had a tow truck during church, put tires on my car. I can't tell you the number of families that walked out of their house going, where'd those tires come from? Ron would just go put tires on people's cars. He didn't ask them. He'd just do it. <laughs> By the way, it, that wasn't the only thing he did, but can you imagine a guy like that in your life? Ron was that way. Bruce Brownwood, he uh, came from a life of brokenness and pain because of alcoholism. And then he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he was a new creation. And Bruce and his wife began just to bless people. And he became the most loving couple, the most caring couple. Just being around them made you want to love your spouse more. Being around them made you want to be a better parent. But I'll tell you what, is Bruce was always looking for creative ways to touch lives. And one of them that he locked into was this. He knew what it was like for a young couple trying to make ends meet to pay for this thing called diapers. Diapers are like gold. You know, I know some of you parents here, you just try to keep, you know, oh man, they just cost so much. And, and you know what he started doing? he started anonymously sending diapers to couples. And the, how we found out about it was when he died. Uh, it is, his funeral was packed. It was packed. Man, you, you, people, oh, and Bruce, because we loved him. And uh, a guy got up to give a testimony about Bruce. He goes, he didn't want anybody to know it, but I found out he was the one who got diapers to us. And I got to tell you what that meant. It, it, you may not know. And, and he got really emotional. And he saw these head shaking. He goes, Am I the only one? How many people have died? And about half the room's hands went up. Now you might go, and if you ever caught where I'm going, do you realize that half of the room were all young couples that fell in love with this man who enhanced their life? He didn't take from them. He gave to them. He, he treated them in such a way that he was creative in what he did. And, and God wants you and I to be that way. He wants us to be that kind of person. Earl Stepp is that way. Earl Stepp uh, is a man who's 70 years old, and he heard about a town called Madrid, New Mexico. Now, you probably don't ever think about Madrid, but they actually have two things that they are kind of have as claims to fame. One is they're the place where if you watch the movie Wild Hogs, that's where the bar is, is in Madrid, New Mexico. So, so that's it. But you ready for this? They're also an artistic community. And so what they did is they actually passed a city resolution that God is banned from Madrid, New Mexico. 
They do not want God in their city limits. That they will be a place without God. So when Earl Stepp heard of that, he thought, forget that. And he went to Madrid, New Mexico and started a church in the bar. (laughs) Just recently, he baptized a group of shaman priests, led them to Christ and baptized them. Do you know what he's become? He came with love. He came with care. And people now in that city say he's like a light in the midst of the darkness. He is treasured in that city. Because of the way that he came and began to be the person Jesus wanted him to be. Bringing light, bringing love, bringing care. That's what God wants us to do. And you and I need to do it. And here's the thing it says. It says, this is the law and the prophets. It's all summed up in that. It's all summed up. Jesus says, do you get everything that I'm teaching you? Everything I'm telling you about having a life that matters is summed up in the idea that you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then you go out and you actually treat other people the way you want to be treated. You go out there and create in their life beauty, create in their life joy, create in their life surprises and celebration and remembrance. You go out and you, when they're hurting and in pain, you, you weep with them and you cry with them and you listen to them and you go do those kinds of things and be that kind of person. And when you do, something amazing happens. You probably already know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's what Jesus said. And then he said, there's a second one, love your neighbor as yourself. But then later on, he changed it. He took it up a notch. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus said, I don't want you just to love them as you love you. Love them the way I love them. And you and I need to go create in the lives of other people. Things that we wish God would do for us and that what others would do for us. And we go do that for them. And by the way, when you do that, you start understanding that Jesus said this. He said, I did not come to serve. I mean, to be served, but to serve. Aren't you glad that when God put on flesh in the form of Jesus, he didn't walk in and say, bow down to me. Did you notice what he did? He bowed down. He washed feet. He cared for the ones in need. He reached out. He loved. He brought joy. That's who he is. When you start understanding the essence of God taking on human flesh to come and live that way, it becomes amazing. In Philippians 2, 1 to 8, it says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, here, listen to this, make my joy complete by being of that same mind, Maintaining that same love, united in spirit, intent on one person. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Nothing. And everything do selfless. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. He said, I came to serve. I came to touch the lives of others. Not, isn't that interesting? It's just powerful. By the way, when you do this, your life is going to become more complex and more complicated. If you do this, the simple life's gone. But I want to tell you, it's going to be an incredible life. If you begin to do this, you will find that you don't have as much time. If you begin to do this, you'll find yourself doing more for others than doing things for yourself. If you do this, you'll find that you're actually making a real difference. If you do this, you're going to find a life with meaning. If you do this, and I do this, we'll be living the greatest life we could ever live. And God's desire is that we would do that. Brian Jones, my friend, felt called by God to go to 
Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, an area that didn't have a church in Philadelphia. And uh, today the church is incredible. It's there. And uh, Brian and, and his wife just started wanting to touch lives. Well, they found out that the school district near them was just horrible. And, and his wife decided rather than to complain about it, I, she had her degree and she had her credentials. She thought, I'm going to go bring life there. I'm going to go love those kids. I'm going to go make a difference. Well, when she, she applied, they wanted her so badly, they gave her her choice of schools and were actually trying to aim her towards one of the nicer ones because they didn't want her to quit. But she chose the toughest school. And uh, she became a sixth grade science teacher. And she'd only been teaching a few days when she walked in the house with this note, handmade note. And she held it up and she said, honey, you've got competition. She goes, yeah, one of the boys is in love with me. Sixth grade boy uh, 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 had on the front, it was a picture of him and, and Mrs. Jones holding hands. And it opened it up and it said this. It says, Mrs. Jones, you are the sweetest teacher ever. Because you're funny, famous, awesome, and smart, sweet, brilliant to me, Mrs. Jones. And you have the beautiful brown eyes and the beautiful, good-smelling brown hair, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Mrs. Jones, you look beautiful to me as I ever saw you. You smell like flowers because you look awesome to me today, Mrs. Jones. I love you as my teacher because you really are really, 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 really awesome today, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Mrs. Jones, you are smelling really, really, really triple nice today, Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones, you are a famous, awesome movie star to me, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Brian jokingly said, he said, I'm going to go take that kid out. <laughs> and uh, this really is true. She said, honey, that's the little boy I was telling you about who has cancer. And uh, she's making a difference. When Brian was sharing one like that with us, he said, do you know what it's like to be married to a woman like that? And I got to tell you something real quick. I do. I'm married to a woman like that. I'm married to a woman who puts other people first and makes other people's lives better. And I want to be someone like that. I, I want to tell you what I believe too. I believe, I really do. I believe that's what Crossroads is like. I think this church is like that. I think you're like that. I really do. You know, I, I um, it's the church that just wants, we want to do that for people. And, and when we do, I think God looks and says that you got it. You got it. And I want to tell you today that it's the greatest life you could ever live. And, and it's for you. But the only way you're ever going to be able to do it or I would ever be able to do it is not to go, okay, I'm going to do it. You got to have a power that's beyond you. It's from the Holy Spirit. In our, of ourselves, we can never do this. We have to listen to Jesus where he said, if anyone comes after me, you got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And he's asking us to give him everything. And when you give everything of who you are, your hopes, your dreams, your life, and you say, I want to give myself to you completely, then you know what Jesus does? He forgives you of all your sin and wrongdoings and cleanses you and frees you of guilt. He heals you of pain. He calls you to be the person you were always meant to be, what he he knows you you were made for, because he made you. And even more, you ready for this? You become adopted by God the Father is his child. Nobody is God's child unless they've gone through the adoption process. And uh, he wants to be your father. And he wants to be a dad who's proud of you. And he knows who you can be and what you can do. So what you got to do is you got to open up to him. You might say, how do I do that? Well, the answer is this. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You got to pray. You, you say to him, I want to give myself to you. I want to open up to you. 
And you know what I want to tell you? I'll bet you, if you're here today and you've never done it, I'm going to be almost sure of this. There's been times in your life you've, you've felt something tugging at you. And today I want, to, I want to say, are you ready just to say yes to him? And how do you do it? You pray. In a moment, we're going to go to a time of prayer. And if you today would want to say to God, I want to give my life to you. I want to tell you, he's going to take you. You might have a broken life. He's going to take you and fix it. You might have a painful life. He's going to take you and heal you. You might have done some horrible things. I can tell you this. He doesn't, he doesn't want to hold that over you. He loves you. And he knows who you are. And he wants you. Today, you might be somebody who's wandered away from God. You used to be close, but now today, you know you're not intimate. You know you're not in a real relationship with them. But I know that if you could hear the words of our father, he would say to you, come home. And how do you do that? You pray the prayer too. So we're going to go to a time of prayer. And today, if you want to say yes to him, or you want to recommit, or you want some healing in your life, and you're ready just to give it to him completely, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Father, I know that you love us so much. And I know what life is meant to be like with you. And we need to live this life to the fullest. So I pray right now that we would do that. And I thank you, God, for your help, your aid, your guiding, the empowering you give when we live this way. I thank you. And I ask right now for your Holy Spirit to come. Lord, may you truly touch anybody here right now who needs to commit their life to you or recommit or who needs healing or freedom from fear. God, I pray you'd start to stir. Father, I pray right now for a husband and wife who need to do this together. They're sitting there wishing the other one would, wanting their marriage this way, wanting their family this way. And I pray you would stir and touch them. And right now they do it. They just decide this is their time. Father, I pray for the the dad who's here that his kids have been praying for him. That right now, Lord, this would be the time that he would start to be not only the man of God he's meant to be, but the dad and the father. He's going to join his kids in the faith and the love. Father, I pray for everyone today who needs you. May they deep down know it's their time. And ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, I'm going to ask you to pray for those who need to make this, this decision. Who need to make this commitment. But if you today are not with Christ, you're not close to him. You're not in experiencing his love and care. I want to ask you to pray this prayer. I hope you do. Do you want a life like that with him? Do you want to know him and have him know you? Do you want to live with him in a way that's real? Right now, if you want that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Just whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love. Free me from fear. And help me be who you created me to be. 
and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God if you prayed that.